Back in 2021, approximately 20% of Manitoba's population were immigrants. Just last year, Manitoba welcomed almost 41,000 newcomers to the province. Each person who arrives brings stories and experiences which are incredibly beneficial. However, sometimes their voices aren't always heard. That's where the Ethnocultural Council of Manitoba comes in, a representative body that's a collective voice for all ethnocultural community groups. Let's get into it. So my name is Kathleen Byron. I am a project manager actually with Immigration Partnership Winnipeg, but one of the really like cool things about IPW is that we're sort of like, we build a network of uh, organizations that we work with and the Ethnocultural Council of Manitoba started through Immigration Partnership Winnipeg as a sort of like a pilot project that just ended up taking off and becoming its own organization. So I'm over there just supporting uh, all of our projects and the staff that are over at ECCM. So um, I just sort of do all the oversight for it, but um, it is its own organization. We have our own board and own staff, our own office and everything like that. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just over there overseeing things. <laughs> I mean, that's really cool. Different organizations collaborating and really becoming their own thing to help fill in the various different areas here mm -hmm. in Winnipeg. Yeah, and specifically within ethnocultural communities, I think you hear words like diversity and and things like that to, to talk about our city and our province. And um, lots of that have to do with, uh, with different ethnocultural communities. And it is very vibrant here in Winnipeg. And one of the cool things are is that when people sort of come and choose to to make Winnipeg or Manitoba their home, uh, they find that sense of community again with uh, people that maybe they knew back home. Um, and uh, we found that, you know, those ethnocultural communities provide so much support in terms of um, settlement and integration and all of that. So being able to like amplify those voices and, um, and help, build sort of that community aspect here in our city is really cool. So I think ECCM um, has sort of been a leader in that. I was talking with a um, entertainment group that was holding an event and, you know, we got talking about the diverse musicians here mm -hmm. in Winnipeg and we started down a tangent talking about, yeah, Winnipeg is really special and it's much more diverse then maybe mm -hmm. you first realize just being like a prairie city in the, mm -hmm. the middle of Manitoba. Yeah. But like if you go to Osborne Village or the Exchange District or the North End, there are so many different parts of the communities that have so many different and exciting like restaurants, uh, stores, places like that. And I, I think it's important for all residents to not only be aware of the diversity, but be there to support it. Because, you know, we want to ensure that whether it's like uh, like Asian uh, supermarkets mm -hmm. or like a, um, a Sudanese restaurant or things like that can thrive here mm -hmm. in the uh, in the city. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and that's growing. And I think that, you know, um, we always talk about this like um, like wealth of knowledge that comes with when people choose to move here. Uh, and I think, you know, there's so much skill, there's so much talent, there's so much uh, knowledge 
um, in individuals that are from around the world. And then when they come to um, and choose to like settle here in Winnipeg or in Manitoba, um, they bring that with them. And I think being able to foster an environment where they can thrive and then share all of those skills, talents, and knowledge, it just makes for such a like better city and such a better province for us. I think that's one of the things like ECCM was founded on that. We were founded on bringing together community to learn from one another. We call it culture sharing. Um, we started something called a Stronger Together Dinner that is basically just community members coming together, sharing cultural food, sharing dance, sharing music, and building connections with one another and just learning from one another. And that dinner grew into what the organization is now, which is like a council of over 30 ethnocultural leaders. Um, you know, we're empowering different ethnocultural associations that are forming um, and, you know, having them be able to then go back and provide support to their own community so that it's not just big, like, settlement organizations that are doing that. Now it's actually the communities feeling empowered enough to make their own associations, make their own organizations, and, you know, really provide legitimate supports to their to their community members uh, that's recognized by, you know, governments and systems. So that's really cool. Continuing on that, the, the work we're doing here at Umulticultural, when we're getting different ethnocultural communities down to share their stories, and, you know, we have more people coming down, more people talking about new exciting events or news and it's just so beneficial like uh, for myself like learning from people who are coming here having those conversations i've recently made a friend who moved from china so we've been having a great time i'm talking to him about canada and things that he never knew like he had this different impression of what canada was before getting here and i'm learning about his life there he moved from uh what he called just a, a like just, oh yeah, my, my hometown. And you think, oh yeah, it's going to be a small place. But it was of like 20 million people there, yeah. which, <laughs> which is like a completely different realm. That's almost everyone in Canada in one city. Yeah, which is wild. I think yeah, when you think about scope or you think about, um, yeah, what those terminologies, like what my uh, understanding of that is versus someone else. And I think that that's something that's, you like touched on like a really good point is that dispelling of, like myths and um, and like preconceived notions. Um, that's something that we work like through Immigration Partnership Winnipeg and with ECCM is really to debunk those myths, right? Because it is true, you come, uh, when you choose to settle here in our country or province or city, you know, you're bringing your own thoughts and your own ideals of what you think place is. And there is lots of learning to be done and lots of unlearning to do as well. So I think we really want to support that and um, and learn from others as well, right? Like, like you said, to think that a town to somebody is 20 million people, like that is going to have its own set of things to think about with in terms of job, like seeking things like jobs. Like what does that look like in a town of 20 million versus what we think is a town of like 10,000. Right. So exactly. I think there's just a whole bunch of things like that. So um, we definitely try um, to always keep an open ear and always keep um, an open mind uh, in terms of working with communities that way. Um, and 
Yeah. And hopefully like ECCM is able to build some bridges between communities, maybe that in one part of the world that maybe we're not coexisting and are now here in our city. So um, we want to make sure that, yeah, that, that maybe conflicts that, that were once somewhere else aren't brought here. Uh, and if they are, there are ways that we can support and address those. Welcome here. How are you two doing today? <laughs> good. How are you? Sorry, we're late. I'm doing well. No, it's all good. We were just talking a little bit about how beneficial it is for having diversity of thought and diversity of people who come here and we, you know, they learn from us and we learn from them. Yeah, sort absolutely. Of thing. Fantastic. Well, welcome here. Uh, how about we just start with a quick introduction, uh, both your names and your role at uh, ECCM. Yeah, awesome. I will go first. My name is Piper. I am the current project coordinator for the project that the two of us are working on, which is the Healthy, Safe and Violence-Free Relationship Project. So this project is all about intimate partner violence among ethnocultural newcomer communities. Um, and it's been going on since December 2021. And then this wow. is my better half. <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is Beaches. I am a community consultant for the same project, which is uh, Healthy, Safe and Violence-Free Relationships. That's looking at intimate partner violence within the ethnocultural communities. Yeah, I'm Piper's bitter and better half. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome here. I I guess just to kind of uh, touch on that, was that program started during the midst of COVID because people, you know, were so close and didn't really have anywhere to go, potentially during conflict situations? You know, not to repeat anything that Kathleen said, but definitely just like the foundation of ECCM was built for to advocate as a collective instead of different ethnocultural communities going about things separately. So there was definitely, as we all know, three years out, a rise in intimate partner violence during the pandemic. And as you just said, Ryan, like no available resources, like a a shortened amount of beds, of safe spaces. You even think for youth, like community centers closing. So I think it was really a need that community spoke about, which brought to light applying for this project. So what sort of things are you doing and talking about? Started in 2021, how has it kind of changed now as we're heading into 2024? Our target audience is the ethnocultural communities, obviously. Um, and then we had uh, different groups of people that included women, men, the youth, and the ethnoqueer, um, that we all had an opportunity to sit down and, and have a conversation with and get to understand what's going on. Is it the lack of understanding of what violence is and what is termed as violence, especially when you make the transition to Canada uh, as a newcomer? And uh, what has changed is that um, I can say there's a little bit of misconception about how communities view violence to begin with and what is needed for that um, kind of learning to happen within um, newcomer communities and with the newcomers um, that have an opportunity to come to this amazing land. And um, the bridging that that should be happening and with the different respective bodies that also should be at the forefront of having these conversations. Because one thing that came out is a lot of community members felt 
that they are not included. They're not part of decision making when it comes to policies um, in different capacities, whether that's in the settlement sector, whether that's in employment, whether that's in education. A lot of all this uh, microaggressions do give rise to uh, the problem that is IPV. You know, we come from uh, our amazing countries with uh, such accomplishments uh, as lawyers, as doctors, as scholars. But when we get here, it's regarded as it's non-Canadian experience. That must be incredibly frustrating, right? It is. It is. And so you have moved here with your whole family and you you and your partner have probably been already arguing about why don't you go first and, <laughs> and get things moving. And then because I'm such a nag, you know, I'm, I twist his number and say, no, we are coming along only for us to get here and go like, oh, you are right. You 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 really should have come here before I did because uh, you're no longer a doctor in Canada because your experience apparently is not fit for Canadian uh consumption or it's not fit for Canadian society. And so what does that do to a relationship? What does that do to your own personal mental health? And how do those relationships survive out of uh, out of that um, need? And imagine that was during COVID. Mm -hmm. So everything is shut down. People are either losing jobs or having their hours taken away. Um, getting a job is not as easy. And so we are in close proximity. We are both frustrated. People from home think we are living large and, you know, their needs have not decreased. Their responsibility, our responsibilities to them have probably increased because they, we have come to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. And so that in itself puts a lot of pressure on relationships. And so as um, we met with all these groups that you know, that was about 30 consultations with different ethnocultural communities. A lot of things came up. Language is a problem. We we are not going to access services because no one speaks my language. And the pressure to learn English and you're not having the pressure to understand my culture, to understand my language, to cater to my needs is, is a problem. So it's 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 a lot, but we are grateful that, you know, there's a glimpse of hope because I know for a fact that uh, the settlement sector has been working um, quite hard in um, making sure that ethnocultural communities are represented. We do have translation services. We do have people that are volunteering. We do have uh, people that are working one-on-one -on -one with ethnocultural communities. And I mean, you leave your nine-to-five job and then go to the community and act as a liaison to that community. So we have that. So there's a glimpse of hope. Uh, it's one step, but it's a step among many other steps that uh, people cannot do it alone. We need everybody in the private sector. We need everybody in the settlement sector and all the other sectors, especially now that Canada has embarked on a journey on, on being this very diverse space of welcoming people from each and every corner of the world. I think it's important that um, policies are uh, revised. Uh, you know, cultural lenses are important when it comes to how people solve conflict from where they come from. Are you able to take your time and find out what those look like? Are you able to 
entertain the thought that perhaps those should make it to our lawmakers who have policies. How do we ensure that people, when they get here, are not told their culture is null and void and you're now Canadian and everything you do is Canadian, right? And so it's it's a lot. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Well, Kathleen, that kind of ties into what we were talking about before, learning from each other, like kind of breaking down misconceptions and misinformation. And from that aspect of, yeah, we need more immigrants and newcomers to be voices in terms of policy making. Like, I couldn't even start to understand, you know, how I should develop a settlement process to ensure that someone coming over from a different culture, a different continent would be able to come here and adjust better. And as you're mentioning, jobs not mm-hmm. being recognized and the frustration that must bring, like, yeah, there probably has to be some more, there, there needs to be more collaboration uh, on mm-hmm. that because th- there has to be some way in order to have the time, years and years of time, like if someone's a doctor, like, you know, they're dedicated to that craft. There has to be some mm-hmm. way to intermingle their education within Canadian mm-hmm. ways. And- yeah, we talk about it in terms of, um you know, credential recognition is what we call it and, uh, and understanding and really placing value in lots of, uh, I will say like the settlement sector specifically, but we're also trying to work with lots of other sectors like employment or healthcare or education to, to look at the value of lived experience. And um, similarly to what you just said, that understanding that uh, you can't develop a program for a community that you have no connection or understanding of what their journey or what their lived experience is, because, you know, what you're putting into that program development or that policy um, can have no relevance if you don't actually understand who it is that you are developing it for. So um, one of the things we try really hard to is to amplify those voices of the communities that that policy or program is going to serve. So, you know, if you're developing something for newcomers that are brand new to the country, do you understand language levels? Do you understand housing? Do you understand what their settlement journeys are from back home to here? Are you understanding mental health? Like there's so many aspects of it. So um, ECCM sort of brings it down to like, the basic level of like ask community, go into the communities and ask them what it is that they need and what barriers they're facing. And that's how um, the project that Piper and Beatrice uh, are attached to with ECCM and lots of ECCM's projects come out from just asking community. You know, the council will get together and like uh, Piper mentioned, um, it's that collective voice because we can work with, you know, Um, African communities or we can work with Asian communities, but uh, instead of working in silos and duplicating work, why not bring them together and say, you know what, you're both facing the exact same issue. Uh, We can address it on a larger scale with more ethnocultural communities uh, if we work together. So that's sort of the basis of the the council itself and then the work that it's trying to do. and then trying to ease some of those frustrations, like credential recognition is a huge one. You know, you've got so many skilled workers that are coming into um, into our country and then entering things like low income jobs or um, low paying jobs that are not recognizing their skills and knowledge. Um, and 
you know, again, those policies and programs that we're creating to get them through, you have to understand there's lots of other factors that come in. There's, you know, family obligations, there's, you know, education levels, there's all of that stuff. So um, it's again, like, have you consulted with the actual communities that those policies and programs are supposed to be serving before you're developing them? Lots of times, no. Um, so I think then we kind of come in there and and say, okay, well, we'll provide you with the supports to talk to those communities, uh, but you have to listen and then you can adjust from there. Uh, Piper, maybe you can um, touch on this one to kind of get your perspective out there. Like we've talked a lot about these different programs and the significance of them in supporting the community programs such as the like the IPV one, as well as the recent credit and debt management. What are some other programs and initiatives that are offered through ECCM? And maybe what are some areas that need to be continued focused on? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good question. And what Beatrice was describing, like the project itself, it started as 30 conversations with different ethnocultural community members. You know, we were able to go out into rural Manitoba and see kind of what are then other issues that are facing community in Brandon and Porge La Prairie and Nipua. Um, and from those conversations, we then began to see the emerging themes such as financial abuse or like financial literacy. Um, mental health was a huge one, as well as just like safety planning as a whole. So what our team then did was identify these themes and partner with organizations who are currently on the front line doing that work. So the session that we had, what was it, a week and a half ago was with Seed Winnipeg. So we've been doing um, an active partnership with them. So five different um, sessions on different topics, such as debt management, budgeting. We've also partnered with Shade Winnipeg. They're the Safe Housing and Direct Empowerment. And that is, you know, frontline work of women and ethno women, especially who are actively fleeing violence and creating those safety plans. Um, our other partners are Aurora Family Therapy, who it's been really unique to see the programs that they offer. They offer a breadth of different, just like social programming. So we were able to go to some of their programs that they have up and running that have groups who have been in Winnipeg for almost a decade and groups who are just arriving and that organization sees, identifies a need in a uh, arriving population and like creates a program. It's very eye-opening for the two of us who are like, well, people can't have conversations on IPV when they are questioning where their kid's going to go to school tomorrow or questioning, yeah, where can they get a job and how do they get their driver's license? Like all of those questions that it doesn't mean that there isn't abuse happening in those situations, but that's not priority number one right now. It is. Yeah, you're so busy getting everything else in your life sorted and figured out. You're like, okay, I guess I'll just put this on the shelf over here. Yeah, or it'll get better, or it's because of X, Y, Z. And then, so those have been just really powerful to attend. And our last partnership is with Norwest Community Co op um, with Immigrant Center. So that's been fantastic having a breadth of different trainings, such as um, psychological violence and family violence training, especially for those service providers who are working or sometimes the first point of contact for newcomers arriving. And so those are the breadth that we've been able to tap into, but that isn't 
exclusive of what's being offered. And where we saw projects wrapping at the end of March, the end of this fiscal year, which is honestly somehow like 12 and a bit weeks away. And the team, myself, Beatrice and Kathleen, had been grappling with like, how do we end this project for it to have the most impact on community and so it can keep these conversations going because what we heard from our 30 conversations is the desire to have more have more spaces for men have more spaces for women for youth to also speak their first language and just connect with other people um and how we decided to wrap it is we've been recording in 15 different languages these short animated videos, which define what violence is, what different types of abuse looks like and where to get support. The hope is that then these can be shared with community and it kind of has that lasting impact where it's addressing those language barriers and educational barriers that you can hear in your first language, identifying types of abuse, which is really awesome. And that's also why we were a little late to the call is we've actively been having community members come in and and do their own recordings so we're really wow. excited yeah it's 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 been really incredible and beautiful to have so many different women and we're it's it's women who are recording it because women have been you know at the the center of this project coming in and translating the script into their first language and recording in it and being excited and enthused that their community members will get to hear them speak and hear information provided in their first language. It's so important to keep projects like that, like keep the momentum going, even if it comes to an end. Because the, the worst case scenario is, you know, it stops. And then five years down the line, you're seeing the same problems come back. Yeah. All these projects, incredibly important, uh, tackling a lot of incredibly uh, difficult and challenging uh, aspects of the immigrant and newcomer experience. Maybe we can just go around real quick to talk about the highlights mm. you've had of the year, things that you're like, wow, this was amazing. Just kind of keep it uh, brief. But how about we start with you, Beatrice? What was a highlight for you this year? Wow. Just one? Okay. Um, <laughs> other than working with an amazing team, and amazing communities and amazing community leaders that have been at the forefront of making sure that, you know, we get as much participants and participation from communities. I think my highlight, um, as I usually like say, I'm a sibling to brothers and it has been very impactful for me to see ethnocultural men express themselves in such an exciting manner and say, how come we were never involved in such conversations? Why would you assume that we do not want to talk about this? We we understand that the majority of uh, perpetrators of violence are men, but then statistics also, sh also show that the number of women abusing men is, you know, catching up. It's slowly growing. And so it's it's been heartwarming to see that men are willing to have these conversations. And they would like to be actively involved. They would like for the stereotyping to to stop. But then that's a journey that all of us have to willingly take together. It takes two to tango. And so uh, my highlight, I think my takeaway from this project is just knowing that men are willing to have these conversations. Men are willing to learn 
better ways to communicate to their partners. Men are willing to help in different gender roles that seem to be uh, a trigger in, in relationships. Men are willing to be nurturers of their home. So that is one of my highlights. It's not what people have always thought. Men really do want to be uh, breakers of this cycle. Uh, Kathleen, how about yourself? So I think uh, for me, in terms of the project, one of the cool things that we were able to do is venture out into small centers. So while the project is based in Winnipeg, uh, Piper and Beatrice uh, were able to build some connections in Brandon, Nipawa, and Porters of the Prairie and head out there and connect with some ethnocultural communities out there. And I think that's one of like the very important things to note is that you know, ethnocultural communities are developing outside of Winnipeg. While Winnipeg is very diverse, those smaller communities um, outside are also becoming quite diverse as well. You know, people are choosing because of cost of living, because, you know, finding community, they're choosing to venture out. And I think, you know, for us to be able to build those connections with the small centers, uh, and see those ethnocultural communities um, out there grow uh, and develop has been really eye-opening um, and also like very cool to see. So uh, I think it's been beneficial for EZCM to to build those connections and find ways to support um, those developing, you know, ethnocultural groups that are out there. Um, some of them want to form their own associations. Some of them want to form their own organizations. There's like little mini ethnocultural councils that want to happen out in Brandon and Porters La Prairie specifically right now. So ECCM gets to sort of be um, a guide for that. And I think that that has been honestly just because of this project that was able to develop. So I give huge kudos to, to the team for building those connections and also, you know, venturing early mornings uh, drives out to, to out to Brandon and Porters La Prairie to do that. So um, that's been really cool to, to see. Piper, take it away. <laughs> Honestly, it's just been community, I think. And I love that question, especially as we approach the end of another year and the start of a new one. It's been really beautiful to see how community gathers and just talking. Like, there's nothing cooler than sitting among a group of women of all diverse ages and they are just talking about whatever they want to talk about half the time it's in a language that I don't speak but just to see the joy radiate that people are able to gather and and talk and normalize these experiences and it's not even just experiences of violence but it's talking about favorite foods it's talking about how all of us have survived a winter in Winnipeg. Like it's all those things that I think create more similarities than differences and ultimately do combat like wider societal biases. It's then just like seeing them out at different community events and having that friend, like, I don't know how many different events we've been to where we just see past participants or community leaders and they're overjoyed to see us and we're overjoyed to see them. And yeah, it's just a really great atmosphere to get to hang out and talk with community and be with community. So I'd say that's that's the best part. Have any stories you'd like us to share or communities we should highlight? Leave a comment on our social media or reach out to us on our website. I'm Ryan Funk. This was You Talk. And have yourself a good one. <laughs>